0: Well hello, everybody, and welcome to the China shop. I've got Eric here just itching to uh finish the introduction here for me, so I'll just go ahead and turn over the floor to him.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the China shop word Judy kicking and face slapping the doors open if you're in for a day of debauchery, welcome to everybody That was the end. <laughs>
0: Kind of ran out of steam there, huh?
1: (laughs) I was gonna go with welcome, but then I realized the the phrasing of it seemed like I was supposed to say more, and then I was like, oh shit, set myself up for failure here, and yeah,
0: not so easy, is it? No, I'm just kidding.
1: I mean, I still think the (laughs) intro was pretty fucking solid.
0: (laughs) I think you did a pretty good job. In fact, I'll probably Thanks. use it for every single one of these going forward.
1: It's pretty fair, and I mean, just feel free to direct all royalties to to my dog, Thor, because he has developed a very particular taste on the bones he'll accept.
0: Hopefully, he loves pennies, because he'll be getting a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking crazy day today, huh, Eric?
1: Dude, there's a couple really interesting things. Actually, two of the things you brought up, I, I hadn't been paying attention to myself. So it's actually kind of fun to take a look at some some other stuff and see what's going on. The, um, the buyout stuff on Horizon is actually really interesting to me. I love, love looking at stuff like that.
0: We started having a discussion and realized how stupid that was and hit record. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and catch the listeners up. Horizon Therapeutics, uh, ticker HZNP, jumped about 30% on talks of a buyout by some of the different pharma giants out there like Sonify um, and Amgen. Now, there's no uh, formal offers that have been made yet. uh, And since Horizon is based in, it looks like Ireland, in accordance with the Irish takeover rules, any possible bidders must say whether they intend to make an offer or not at the latest by January 10th of 2023. So there's still no certainty. Uh, but I think the speculation is that they should see somewhere around if they're going to get an offer, uh, like a 2 billion markup on the 18 billion market cap that they currently have. And uh, we were just kind of diving into the options. So I'll let you go ahead and, uh, kind of talk about what you're looking at there when you were, you're digging into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, like we were discussing, one of my favorite things to do for buyouts and stuff like that is pull up the options chain because There's a lot of really fascinating information that we can glean from options. And there's a couple of primary drivers to this. One of the main ones as it pertains to this specific scenario is normally if a deal was leaked before it's announced, you can see it in the options. More often than not, the smart money is going to go to options and it's because of Leverage. Yeah. Because the leverage. They if they know essentially something is going to happen, I would rather get more return on my dollar than return dollar for dollar, which is really the difference between derivatives and equities. If there was something with more leverage, they would trade that. Right. But it just happens to be options is the the best that typically is available for these folks. So normally when we look at options, there's a lot of It's almost like looking at a stock chart. It becomes as informative as that in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And one of the primary things I like to look for is just open interest and dispersion of open interest. So the way to think about an options contract is whenever somebody buys a contract, somebody sold that contract. There is a counterparty. So when we talk about open interest, we're just saying, you know, this is the number of current active contracts. This is different than volume.
0: Right, because volume could be closing out an open position, right?
1: Exactly, volume simply tracks transactions. And when we look at open interest, that is active contracts that have obviously those two counterparties involved. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can gain a lot of information from that alone, primarily because if we look at, To start us off like a a simple example to to prove a point, if I pull up SPY and I look at the open interest for all expirations right now, I see 7.7 million calls and 13.1 million puts. This is very normal, especially in indices, but more often than not, people like to buy puts to hedge risk and big institutions Mm. do this. This is exactly why there is a risk premia. This is, it just goes down to a whole strategy conversation that I'll, I'll save everybody. It might arouse me immensely, but I know most people are probably (laughs) starting to fall asleep. But The
0: the bottom line is that options are supposed to be used as like protection. Like you think of them like an insurance.
1: Well, sort of, I wouldn't say supposed to because
0: sorry, I meant like
1: that. Isn't that like how the concept came about? Well, for, options really came around for two reasons speculation and risk management but really the the risk management aspect that you're highlighting applies mm-hmm. a lot to commodity futures mm. that's where the, the whole futures market was developed right which is you know if you own a supermarket and you're selling corn and you want to be able to stabilize prices you essentially create a forward contract aka futures contract Options are similar but slightly different. Both of them obviously have two functions, as you're pointing out, one of which obviously is speculation, leverage. The other one is for hedging efficiently, which you know is exactly what you're highlighting. Mm-hmm. But when we look at options, depending on what we're looking at, very often we will see what we call put skew. Puts tend to trade more expensively and that's reflected because there's more of them traded, there's a higher demand for them. And again, right now in SPY, there's 7.7 million calls and 13.1 million puts. And that's not even like a crazy put skew, that's like very, very normal. Hmm. Now, if we hop over to our other subject, um, Horizon Therapeutics, as I look at that, Across all expirations, I see 27,000 calls. So obviously the first thing in an order of magnitude smaller. So don't worry about like the gross number. It's more the ratio that I'm highlighting here. But Horizon has 27,345 calls and 9,501 puts.
0: So the skew is the other direction.
1: Exactly. Which is abnormal. Just about always it's abnormal because again, the entire market of options and for a lot of strategists, the variance risk premium is a big part of how we make money. And you can get more of that on the put side because of the way things are priced. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, we'll see an inverse trend just like this. So we can actually go into the open interest to see of all of the current expirations and strikes, where are we centered? Where's most of it sitting? And the 16 D's 2280 calls have 3,438 contracts. So about, you know, what, like 10% of contracts, like a huge, huge amount. The 17 Feb 85s have 3,200. And one other one of note is the 20 Jan 2380s have 2895. So what I'm highlighting in very early expirations and obviously closer to where it was trading at the time, there's a lot of open interest there. So what I would do now normally, we haven't had time to do it uh, just because I just found out about this now, but what I would do is actually pull up price charts of all of these mm-hmm. and to see when the volume started to spike on these, because that's when you can really tell if there's insider buying going on. I actually have alerts set up for a lot of things once they hit certain thresholds like this, because they can be just immense trading opportunities. Right? yes. Yeah, Super, super cool thing to check out. I'm, I'm stoked that you, you know, caught this and brought it up because it's a fun one to talk about.
0: Wow, well, I wish I would have caught it, you know, a couple of days ago. But the learning opportunity is, uh, is probably more beneficial than the, the opportunity to make a quick buck.
1: Sure, you can console yourself with that. <laughs> yeah, one other thing on it. Sorry, I, I just pulled up one of the charts because I was super curious, and the 16d's 80 calls that had a ton of volume on the fourth, on the fourth of November there were 2,692 contracts traded.
0: Yeah, that sounds suspicious.
1: And then on the third, there was 1,136. So between those two days, right, that takes it almost 4,000 contracts that were traded. But get this, on the 2nd of November, 187. That's it. On the 1st of November, two. On (laughs) the 7th of November, 20. That's, that's insider trading. That is somebody yes. who had good information and they actioned on it two weeks ahead of time. That is awesome. I totally missed it, but those were like some of the funnest things to be able to look back and look. That, that's wild. That has had a 822% appreciation over the last month, those options.
0: Yeah, somebody just made a shitload of money.
1: A, yeah.
0: When does the open interest actually update on Thinkorswim? Perpetual. Oh, it's, it's constantly changing? I thought that yeah. that was something that updated like once a day.
1: No, no, that would be awesome. Okay,
0: I thought the volume was always updating, but not necessarily the open interest.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Sorry, yeah, so the, we can, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. So the volume moves throughout the day. You can see the open interest move throughout the day, but if you're looking at like these open interest charts, they don't move throughout the day. They will be settled mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But if I open up, let's say the 16D's options chain, I can see open interest move as it's trading. So it's okay. kind of yeah, it's kind of both but to your point like you're not going to see it reflected in like put call ratios or anything unless you have your own think script set up. I have a couple of them which is why um I answered the previous way. But
0: Oh okay, yeah, yeah cuz I just yeah. look at the the open interest and volume on the uh thinkorswim uh options chain on the active trader. Uh not the active trader, I'm sorry, the just the option. Yeah, when you pull up the options chains on thinkorswim swim it, it'll show you open interest on there and i don't think i've ever seen that update as the day went on
1: yeah so you could probably see that down under uh today's option statistics but um yeah you're right that those won't move regularly the graph at the bottom the product depth that i don't think moves regularly but you can see in the individual change themselves Mm -hmm. it'll typically show you there. And then one of the other things I like to leave open, which I'm actually going to go through after we hang up here to just do a little bit of more homework, but you can look under options, time and sales that doesn't give you overall open interest. That'll get updated end of day, but you can still see, yeah, kind of what's moving around, which is interesting.
0: Awesome. Can't wait to hear what you, what you find. Dude. So interesting. All right. Well, should we move on to, to some of the other big
1: news? whenever you're i'm still looking at these options man i'm so blown away dude <laughs> all
0: right well while you're while you're distracted i'll just go ahead and provide a quick yeah. update on uh, one of our favorite figures that we've paid attention to over the years uh, jack ma has been spotted in tokyo so i don't know if you're familiar with the alibaba founder
1: good old jack ma yeah man yeah there's yeah. actually some really good conversations between him and uh, elon musk so yeah
0: oh i was not aware of that wait really no, no, I have to go look those up.
1: I'll send you the link now, so you can include it.
0: Oh, please do. Uh, no, but if you remember back in 2020, when he kind of just disappeared from public view after uh, taking taking to a microphone and and trashing the Chinese financial system, <laughs> it's
1: a good life decision, I suppose.
0: Yeah, especially when you're dealing with China. (laughs) But it is good to see that he is alive and well. It looks like he's been hiding out there for about the last six months. Uh, It seems like he's also been making frequent trips uh, to the U.S. and Israel, of all places. Hmm. I'm guessing he's probably not welcome back in China anymore.
1: I'm actually really, that's another one I have to look more into because... I've also learned a lot recently about the relationship between the Chinese government and businesses there, and mm-hmm. how the it's just a fascinating relationship to me. So so different to what we're used to here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, in fact, there's a, there's a kind of hints of that in uh, in this article. They're talking about let me see if I can find it. Yeah, the spotlight on Ma's activities coincided with Beijing's push for quote common prosperity. It's a concept that the rich must share their wealth with the poor to create a more equal society. A drive hit tech firms as well as property firms, which are forced to reduce their debt levels as authorities sought to control high home prices. It looks like the government's able to dictate the the policies of these companies. And that's, uh, it doesn't yeah, sound dude. like that's good for <laughs> business owners.
1: Yeah. They, they have a tremendous amount of say. Yeah. And I've always been actually pretty fascinated with Alibaba's ability to even- continue a relationship but something like this is yeah just even more interesting essentially that yeah man it's so so interesting because i actually have a friend who's chinese mm-hmm. and they, they were messaging their family that's back in china about the lockdowns yeah and you know they they were like messaging like their their parents and they were like oh man you know the, the lockdowns suck you sorry you guys have to go through that and literally the parent messaged back like don't say that oh yeah <laughs> very clearly telling you you know what's going on it's like that's just so wild to me but it seems like you know China could do a lot of damage to something like Alibaba if they wanted to
0: well they already did when they kind of scuttled the the ant IPO didn't they
1: right yeah I guess that's true huh
0: what was the other thing they were doing? Do you remember seeing those stories about the the people trying to go to their banks in I can't remember what the name of the province was, but whenever they use their their travel cards or whatever it is that says that they don't have COVID, that allows them to to move about between the different cities, as soon as they like step foot in that province, it turned to red, and basically the authorities would come pick them up and quarantine them. All they were trying to do was get to their bank,
1: dude. It's wild, and I know that yeah. even. For a while, the the Chinese, like the protesters, they were starting to use airdrop to communicate with one another, right? So that they didn't have to send stuff over the network. They could just Mm -hmm. send it to the devices directly. Yeah. And the Chinese government literally started to alter airdrop settings on people's phones. Wow. Yeah, so that you couldn't do it. It's like, it's so wild. But taking it back to to Jack Ma, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm waiting for, like, literally at the seat of my chair, like, what happens next? right like what what does china do with jack if they're not happy with what he's done and i literally have no benchmark to even create a hypothesis i have no idea like do they fucking assassinate him i don't think so but (laughs) is that like completely outside the realm of possibility i don't think so either well i
0: think at this point he's he's been quiet enough that they made their point and i don't think they're really worried about him too much anymore
1: Potentially. But again, like there's a certain level of rational thought that we apply. Right. And there's, you know, a perspective of rational thought that they will apply from their perspective, because who's to say that Jack Ma just stays quiet now into perpetuity? Like, are they threatening of his family or you know what I mean? It's just stuff like that is so interesting to me, because even though that sounds like very personal stuff, it translates to the market and the way that the U.S. and other companies will view the stability of right. Chinese companies, which are obviously a, still a, a big deal. I mean, Baba has had a fall from grace, but it's still an extremely viable company. Yep. Yeah, it's wild, man.
0: Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email S. Pullen at fairwaymc.com fairway independent mortgage has an mls number of 2289 sue Mackey has an mls number of 206048 that email again s-p-u-l-l-e-n at fairwaymc.com and that phone number is 520-977-7904 shoot sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address um okay so i guess we should probably talk about what powell said today since that did move the markets like crazy, and that's probably what people are tuning in to hear about. Me, <laughs> I know, I think everybody's sick of discussing Powell. Uh, I did read through his speech, though, uh, before we jumped on here, because I was actually surprised to see something that I've been saying for the last two years in the speech, where he's talking about the early retirees making up mm-hmm. a key percentage of the job openings that are out there. It's been fueling the 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 labor shortage. Mm-hmm. And we've been saying that, like, you know, the people that didn't have to work when COVID hit, and they, they just retired and right. saw no reason to go back. So it was interesting to see Powell finally, uh, at least this is the first time I'm aware of that he acknowledged something that we've been saying.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm reading like a specific section in here. It looks like it ties to that. It says the data so far... Do not suggest that excess retirements are likely to unwind because of retirees returning to the labor force. Older workers are still retiring at higher rates, and retirees do not appear to be returning to the labor force in sufficient numbers to meaningfully reduce the total number of excess retirees. Mm-hmm. The second factor contributing to the labor supply shortfall is slower growth in the working age population. That was also interesting. Yes. The combination of a plunge in net immigration and surge in deaths during the pandemic probably account. for. Or about one to one and a half million missing workers.
0: I know inflate or not immigration is kind of a, a touchy subject with some people out there, but I mean, really, that might be the only way to fulfill the labor shortage is to have looser immigration controls.
1: I think that could be part of it. I I do genuinely think that Americans in general also have become like way too many people have grown way too accustomed to a lifestyle they can't afford. And right. like there's a lot of Americans that look at jobs and they're like, oh, well, I'm not doing that. And it's like, well, you you're in fucking credit card debt. What what do you what do you mean? Like if I was in credit card debt, I would literally be doing everything within my power. But there there is definitely a sense of entitlement that I bring it up because I am curious if that will change as opportunities kind of shift because it is actually kind of nice to see some of these bigger companies you know, like even what Elon's doing with Twitter, whenever he's like, oh, we want to work from home. And he's like, okay, cool, go work somewhere else. Like, you know, like there, there is, a, there's a constraint. People want to be treated really well and I don't blame them. But the fact of the matter is, if you work for somebody else, you don't get to make the rules. You work for somebody else. So I'm curious if there will be a bit of a shift in like what people are, what people value and what they're willing to do. Because I, I've been thinking about the trades for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mike Rowe has been a huge proponent of that. I've been t- oh, as well huge. because there's way too much focus on college. And I don't think there's enough people that understand there's another path to being to be able to make quite a bit of money. Sometimes it's more than what uh, the college education makes. You just got to go learn how to weld.
1: <laughs> exactly. You're comp- it's comp- like right now I actually have to get. Um, my septic system worked on. They're dr- dr- drilling a new pit or whatever, mm-hmm. and for it's like six dudes that are going to be at the house, and they're drilling the pit. It's like seventeen thousand dollars. Right. That's not a bad fucking payday. Obviously, there's overhead. Like I, I'm not saying that everybody's making that much money and it's you know super flowers and sunshine. But the dude that runs the business, he pulled up in a new Tesla. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> not awful. So yeah, I think. I wonder if there's going to be a bit of a capitulation there because to your point on the labor force, especially I don't know. I feel like it's so tenuous because then you also run into the argument of, well, how much of this is going to get automated out Mm A lot of this is getting automated out. And yeah, but I, I think the, because I was listening to the speech live and I liked understanding the things that he's looking at, not because I can forecast those things any better than anybody else, but, it's helpful for me to understand the lens that they're applying to these things.
0: Cause now you know what to look for and how to interpret it.
1: Exactly. And again, I've said this a couple times and I will say it again, big daddy J pal. He's been, he's been pretty wrong. Same message. Same <laughs> shit. bro. It's been like, the same message. It's the same shit over and over again. It's so funny. The market wants to run off the deep end every time they hear somebody else say something, but, He's, and this, in my opinion, doubled down or triple, whatever, how many, I don't know how you say like quintupled down on the same thing, which I think is interesting. And I see, I think you see that in the markets as being priced in pretty effectively. The, um, I was watching the futures pretty carefully to try to calculate probabilities and there's actually been some pretty big shifts. I think it's 75% now for 50 bips. So here's, here's the drama. It was 75% a week ago for 425 to 450. Then it dropped from 75 to 66 a day ago, literally yesterday for 425 to 450. And now it's up to 79.4% for 425 to 450. So this, I highlight it because this kind of movement in probabilities is exactly where there's money to be made in derivatives because the markets do not price as efficiently as people think it does. It's mm-hmm. quite efficient. I'm in no way saying it's inefficient, but that's enough slop in what I just mentioned over the last few days to make good money. Mm-hmm. You know, The market is trying to price in a lot of very difficult things and there's a lot of opportunity there.
0: Uh, the other thing I noticed today when looking at uh, just the closing price of the SPY is that we finally broke above the 200-day moving average. Curious what your thoughts are on that. Do you do you follow those, those types of, uh, I guess, indicators?
1: I actually get alerts on them. And not only did it break above... Solidly. <laughs> yeah, not only did it break above the 200-day moving average, it did it on what I would consider to be impressive volume. It definitely was volume that almost doubled the 30-day average for volume but it also broke above a trend line essentially that I drew that goes back two years and that I find very interesting. It takes us from the high of the, what the week of three Jan is the trend line that I have drawn and it, and it broke above that.
0: That's two years or one year, isn't it?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It's a two year tra- Like it's on a two year chart. That's just oh, gotcha, where it's ordered gotcha, gotcha. out. But okay. yeah, the the trend line is valid for, for a year, but on that, I mean it it had a touch on three Jan, it had a touch on the week of twenty-eight March, it had a touch on the week of fifteen August, and today is the first day in that time frame. It's close through it. All of that is to say, I still think we're going down. I literally think nothing has changed. I look at again a two-year chart and we are in like the most clear stair stepping pattern down. There was a strong catalyst today to move us about a little bit, which I get. Um, mm-hmm. but I do not in any way think that this changes the the broader narrative at least for the time being. What
0: do you need to see in order to uh, to think that that has flipped?
1: It's a that's a really good question. I think I need to start seeing at least some basing and I think we're starting to see it, but I think it's early. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I would like to see is on these drops, when we do have, you know, the eventual pullbacks, I would love to see volume drying up and right. it's really not like, it's not at all. When I look at the chart, it's when we're getting these strong rallies that prices cleaning up or volumes cleaning up real quick. And then as we start, you know, in the, the cycle of pullbacks, volume is ramping up. It's like the inverse of what I would want to see. Right. So most of what I see today is just a catalyst driven movement. Cause I mean, you could also argue that we closed above the 200 day moving average on the 15th of November. We were above it on the 23rd of November on the 25th of November. So, you know, this isn't the 200 day moving average is useful, but it's not like this magical thing. I think it's, a tool to use in confluence with other things like i would also argue that the movement of the all of the moving averages i like to use things like um the 9 20 50 150 or 2 whichever one you prefer i think that you know seeing price move about that is in the moving averages starting to align meaning you know shortest term moving averages on top everything else is upward sloping i think that's all good but To me, it looks like we're just having a a pretty good rally from the 13th of October. We're up, we were up like what 15% on Monday, obviously a little bit more than that now. But I think, uh, I still think there's not enough here, at least to to rationally say that, yeah, we're starting to pull out of the, the bear market. I think it's too early.
0: I think let's see what happens the rest of this week and then we can reassess, see if we stay above that or not, build some volume up here.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's fair. And I think we're starting to hit some near-term resistance. Yeah. I mean, nonetheless, it's still an impressive move. And this is one of the reasons why I like trading options, to be honest, is because the market's down. It hit a high of 479 back in January. It hit a low of 348 over the past year. Mm -hmm. So that drop from the open of the year, not the high, but the open to 348 that drop is 14.4% in SPY. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the the funny thing about percentages, man. We dropped 14% to where price currently is now, but from that low of 348, we probably have had like a 15% plus rally. You know, like we see a certain percentage drop and we think, oh, we just have to make that percentage back to get back to even. And it's like, nah, fam, you know, no. it's not how percentages work.
0: No, it doesn't. <laughs> If you've uh, if you ever done an analysis of like how, how hard it is to recover from ten percent drawdown, twenty percent drawdown, thirty percent, there's a really interesting chart. Maybe I should find that and link that for anybody who hasn't seen it.
1: I think that actually that would probably be really useful context for people. To be honest, yeah. I, so I just did the math, and right now from the near term low from October thirteenth of three forty eight to the close of four oh seven, it was like four oh seven sixty eight. But you know. Fuck you mm. guys. Forest government's fine, and <laughs> close yeah, that's a sixteen point nine percent move. So on a percentage basis, it looks like you know we should be cruising right along. Everybody's stoked on that, but it's like technically we're only down you know fourteen percent year to date. Right. You know the shorter interim moves. You need so much. It's it's like a you know short rule of thumbs two two and a half times the move essentially in order right. to get close to close to where you were before. So. Got a ways to go, man.
0: Well, on that disappointing bombshell, I suppose, uh, to the Bulls, at least. (laughs) The Bears are still happy, it sounds like. (laughs) I think it's probably time to to wrap things up. So, Eric, thanks again for joining us. Um, I'd like to tell everybody out there that wants to hear more from Eric, they should definitely check out his YouTube channel, ES Invest. You can also find him on Twitter. Eric, you got anything you'd like to leave the fine folks with here before we uh, sign off for the day? No. (laughs) <laughs> fucking love it all right well with that I'll just say goodbye bye bye everybody You <laughs> sound so surly when you do that
1: two bulls in a china shop is an entertainment program and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry
0: of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.